the authority of the Son of Man. That's what we'll be preaching on this morning. The authority of the Son of Man. Jesus was a man of authority. He's a man of power. In the beginning of Mark chapter 1, we saw that he taught with authority. He cast out demons with authority. He healed with authority. Well, here it's revealed to us how and why he did those things. He did so because he was the Son of Man. And in these two stories that we read, first of the healing of the leper, and then the, hearing, the healing of the man with palsy, we see that Jesus has authority to heal people. He has power to heal people. But we also see from two different perspectives. One is how Jesus interacted with this man, healing him under the law. And we also see how Jesus had authority in the gospel in that not only did he heal, but he made people completely whole. He forgave them their sins. So he has authority to heal, but he also has the authority to forgive sins. And so we're going to look at these two stories and see how, um, they're, how they're similar in this regard, that Jesus heals, but they're in these uh, true events. There are bigger pictures here that we can see of, of Christ and what he's doing here. Because on the surface, he heals people and he makes them better. That's, a, that's the, the surface level there. But even in these healings and how he healed them and what he healed them of, and what he said when he did it shows us this, these deeper, uh, deeper truths. So first of all, Jesus healed the man with the, the leper. So after the events of chapter 1, so he, he cast out the demon, he was teaching the people in the synagogue, he went to Peter's house, he healed Peter's mother-in-law, he healed everybody that came to town, Peter said, everybody's looking for you. And he said, well, I've come to preach the gospel. So they left. And while they were, he was out preaching, this man with leprosy came to him, and he kneeled down before Jesus, and he begged him, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. If, if you will to, make, to heal me, you can do it. Now, this is a desperate plea by a desperate man. How, de how desperate is this guy? Well, leprosy was incurable. You read through the Old Testament, and it was contagious. It was something that carried a stigma about with it. Because it's not something you just, it's not like you have a, the flu or something, and you're over it, but it carried a stigma with it because the only answer to, or to the leprosy was you're going to be quarantined. We're going to take you, and we're going to put you outside of the camp, you can't come in with everybody else. You can't live with everybody else. You can't go to the synagogue. You can't go to the temple. You can't offer sacrifices. We've excluded you from society. And you're going to stand out here by yourself with all the other lepers because there's nothing we can do for you. Leviticus 13 describes leprosy that you can identify it in your clothes. And, and Leviticus 14 talks about if it's in your house. So um, you know, I kind of thought in my mind, like, if you see mold in your house or something like that, there was, it would, could be in your garments, it could be in your house, and the only cure for that was just to, to burn it. If it's in your house, you got to burn it down. If it's in your clothes, you got to burn them up. If you touch those things, then you're unclean. 
Anything that touched the leprosy became unclean. Anything that was uh, that you were around, it just it spread, and you were not just sick but unclean. Numbers twelve um, has a good description of what leprosy, what people thought of it, what it was. So uh, Numbers twelve, verse number ten. So God sends a judgment to Moses' brother and sister, Aram and Miriam. And in verse number 10, and the cloud, well, verse number 9, the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed, and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam, so this is Moses' sister, <clears throat> became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly, wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed when he, is, when he cometh out of the, the mother's womb. Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. So Aaron said, Pray for our sister because she's like one who's already dead. She's a, walk, she's a walking dead among us. There's nothing we can do to help her. There's nothing we can do to, to fix this. She's got this disease and it's over. But the problem with leprosy is you looked at people and saw that they had this disease. It was on the outside. And so the leper sort of becomes the scourge of society. Remember in early 2020 when nobody really knew what COVID was? Nobody knew how deadly it could be. It was on the news all the time, and they talked about how easily it spread. And if you cough, that's, they're saying, no, if you cough, this is how far the germs will go, and, and this is how far you can catch it, and this is how long it stays on things. And, and just you go out in public during that time, and then somebody's got allergies or something and they cough, then what happened? Everybody stopped and looked. Who coughed? <laughs> Are they sick? Do they have COVID? And people start looking around and somebody just keeps coughing. Then that person gets nervous and they start looking around and say, well, why are they coughing? Why are they out? Why are they not bit? Why, you know, why are they not home? And, all, and people get upset. Well, now multiply that kind of thing by a thousand. And that's what you have just with leprosy. This deadly, incurable disease that lingers with a person for years. And you see the person, you could see that they had it. And that they could spread it. And then that you could get it. And, and then you would have it. And then you would be um, um, unclean. That's the kind of stigma that, that, that went along with this. Not only did you have the, the physical sicknesses and the pain and everything that went along with that. But you had... Be annexed, segregated, quarantined from the people of God, from your community, from your family. You had to go around announcing that you were unclean. Listen to what it says in Leviticus 13:44. He is a leprous man, he is unclean. 
The priest shall announce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. The leper in whom the plague is in his clothes shall be rent. His head bare. He shall put a covering upon his lip and cry, unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall be his habitation. You got physical sickness. Just think about the emotional issues of, of being kicked out of society. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. No more family reunions. No more gathering together uh, with your friends. No more working together with people alone. Now, Jesus is going about, and here's a leper. Cut off from society. Outside the camp, living in his leper colony. And he saw Jesus, and he heard of Jesus. Jesus had been healing people. And this guy comes and cries, if you will, I know you can, and if you will, heal me, make me whole, clean me. Cleanse me, O Lord. I know that you can. If thou will, you can make me clean. Notice he doesn't say, if, you, if thou will, you can heal me. Because that was only a part of it, to be healed. He said, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. You can make me where I can go back in Jerusalem. I can go back uh, to my family. I, I don't have to live out segregated from all people. What a pitiful sight this was. Jesus heard that desperate cry and he was moved with compassion. Here's a man desperate for cleansing, for healing, for restoration. What's Jesus going to do? If you will, you can make me clean, Jesus. Well, you're supposed to stay away from lepers. So maybe Jesus will pray for him. Maybe Jesus will say, well, you stay over there six feet away and, and then I'll stand over here and I'll pray for you over here. No, Jesus did something that shocked everybody. He did the one thing you weren't supposed to do. He, he touched him. Now, you and I know that Jesus didn't have to do this. Jesus heals people at a word. He doesn't have to. Well, we, we read of the paralytic man in the next story he didn't touch him but Jesus has compassion on him goes and lays his hands on this leprous man the one thing you weren't supposed to do and Jesus both willed to heal him and he did it and as soon as Jesus spoke the leprosy was gone and he was completely healed Well, Jesus says go to the priest now because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make an offering for sin. You can read about that in Leviticus 2, in verse 14, or chapter 14. He says, now go do what you're supposed to do. Go to the priest. He'll inspect you. He'll say that you're clean. You'll, you'll, you'll make your offering. You'll be back in society. And you go do that. Now, don't go around telling everybody you go do that. But he didn't do that. Instead, he went about telling anybody who would listen what Jesus had done. 
Well, the news spread so far and fast, people were so excited that Jesus couldn't even go in the city anymore because of the crowd. So he, had, he went back out to the desert places and people were coming to him. Well, without getting too deep in the weeds about the nature of leprosy and everything, it's pretty awful. Leprosy is, is just pretty awful. And it's a reminder of what sin has done to us and what it does to us now. When you had leprosy, you were unclean, you were impure. Even after you were healed, Leviticus 14.20 says you had to go and make a sin offering. Not a thanksgiving offering, but a sin offering. You had to go and make this offering um, because the, the clear picture of this was that this is a result and a curse of the, of the fall. Sin corrupts. It makes impure. And so it didn't matter how nice a neighbor you were. It didn't matter how good of a parent you were. It didn't matter how much money you gave to the temple. It didn't matter how good a citizen you were. If you had leprosy, you were impure, and everything that you touched became impure. So this person might have in their heart the desire to have compassion on somebody and have leprosy and say, here, I know you're sad, let me give you a big hug. And you might step back and say, oh, that's okay. <laughs> I, I can, I'll just take your word for it. Why? Because everything they touched became impure. And that, I think, is a good illustration of, of what, how sin corrupts us. We're not as bad as we could be, but everything that we do is tainted by that original sin. So even if we could do good things, we do good things. So a person gives to charity, that's a good thing. I'm glad people do that. I'm glad people volunteer. I'm glad people help poor people and, and volunteer their time and everything. But, but if they're, as far as offering works unto God, it's like a leper doing these works. It's tainted. It's impure. It's a good thing, but... It has been corrupted from the heart of the individual. Israel was called to be a separate people, a holy people. And God gave them guidelines, what they had to wear, what they were allowed to eat, who they could marry. And he divided categories up in some of these things into clean and unclean. Dead things were unclean. Certain animals were unclean. Certain foods were unclean. Even bodily fluids, unclean. There were sacrifices you could offer and washings you could do or just wait out the clock and you would be clean again. It didn't matter who your family was, what you had done prior, anything. You were unclean if you got leprosy and there was nothing you could do about it. It didn't matter how much washing you would do. It didn't matter how much that you gave or how many sacrifices you offered. You are excluded from the people of God and that hurt the whole man, physically, emotionally. He's an outcast, excluded from the people of God. That's what the law had the power to do. There's several chapters in the Old Testament that just talks about leprosy. 
And it tells the priest how to find leprosy and how to spot it and how to determine if you still have it and, and what to do if somebody has it and thinks it's gone and how to check it and make sure it's still gone and how to go into a house to see if it has to be destroyed and what the garments look like if, if it's contaminated. All these details about that. But what does that tell us? You read that, it doesn't make for very exciting reading when you get to Leviticus 13 and 14. I can tell you that, uh, to, to read these, these instructions. But what, did that, what does that tell you? It tells you what it looks like, and that if you see it, you got to deal with it. You know what it does not tell you how to do? It doesn't tell you how to heal it. It doesn't tell you how to make the person better. It doesn't tell you how to uh, mitigate the, the, the disease. It just says, when you see it, unclean, black and white. And that's all the law had power to do. The law had the power to say, you're a leper, you have to leave. You're a leper, you're unclean. The, the scriptures tells us what it looks like, it tells us how to spot it, and you've got it, you're out. That's what the law had the power to do. Identify and judge, condemn. But notice the authority and the power of the Son of Man. Jesus has the power to make him clean. Not just healing, but to make him clean. If the high priest, if he goes to the high priest and the high priest touches him, then the high priest has, has become uh, ceremonially unclean. He'd need to separate, or the priest, rather. He'd need to separate. But when Jesus touched the leper, what happened? The opposite happened. Jesus wasn't contaminated by the leprosy, but Jesus touched him and then made the diseased man pure. So if we look at it the other way, the sin didn't rub off on Jesus, but Jesus eradicated the disease. He made the sinner pure. I, I love that. The blood of Jesus can make you clean. Fifth, filthy and vile and depraved and stained so thoroughly, no soap can wash us clean. Those, those things in your soul and your conscience that you, you can't shake and they just every time that pops in your head, it bothers you that you did that or you said that or you thought that. Jesus can make you clean. He can make you pure. He can wash you whiter than snow. He can embrace you. He's not going to keep his distance from the sinner. He's not going to keep you six feet apart. He's not going to keep you far away, but he can embrace you, child of God. He can embrace the sinner and make the sinner clean. That's who our Savior is. He has the authority, the power to take an unclean, segregated, outcast, impure and diseased, and with the, by his will and by his word, with his compassionate touch, this man was made whole. What a savior. Jesus, Jesus made him clean. Well, I can understand why he went and told everybody in the world we'd been happy too. When the Lord saved you, you probably told all kinds of people. He was zealous, but he didn't listen to the Lord. Jesus said, now, you go to the priest. 
Well, he had, he had uh, different ideas. It'd be better if he went and told everybody. Well, it wasn't better that he went and told everybody because then Jesus couldn't remain in the city and, and, uh, and preach. He went out to the desert. But we need to put this in the right perspective. This man wasn't saved by his works, but he was saved by God's grace. And out of gratitude, he ought to have done what he, the Lord told him. Right, if the Lord has saved you, don't you think it's the right thing to do to, go, to listen to him? Now think about this story, because it's easier to read the story and think about it and then look at ourselves in the mirror and think about it. <clears throat> but Jesus healed this man of an incurable disease, a disease that kept him outcast from society. He's now been made whole. He's been restored. And Jesus said, go to the, go to the priest and do what you're supposed to do. And this man turns around and does the opposite of what Jesus told him. Say, well, that's not very grateful. That's not, that's not a grateful thing for him to do. Jesus just healed him and he goes and does the opposite of what he told him. Well, when, when we read the scriptures, the scriptures command us to do things. We don't do them to be saved, but when we don't do what God tells us, is that a very grateful thing for us to do? The Lord has commanded you to do something and you don't do it because you've got better ideas or better ways of doing it? Or is this not that important? Or you think it's not as important? Is that very grateful? Well, you can look at this leper and say, well, that, that doesn't seem very grateful to me. It seems kind of disrespectful even. I know he's excited, but I mean, the man did just heal you. Well, we can say like Nathan, thou art the man. Think of all the Lord did for us. And then uh, we, we fail to, to follow after him. It's not a matter of, well, will I go to heaven if I don't do this? Will I go to hell if I don't do that? We're saved. We're in Christ. There is no condemnation. It's a matter of, of a grateful heart in obedience to our Lord. Well, Jesus heals this man. And then he went, after a little while, he went back to Capernaum. He might have went back to Peter's house again, but word got out, and people started coming over. And they kept coming, they kept coming, to the point where you couldn't even get close to the door, let alone knock on it. Jesus said his mission was to preach the gospel of the kingdom, and that's what he's doing. So he's in the house, all kinds of people in the house, and Jesus is preaching. So we got one scene over here. Jesus is preaching in the house. House is packed. People standing outside the door listening. People surrounding the house listening to Jesus. Now we're going to change scenes. Now we're, we're almost, we're close by, but not too close. And you've got this man with a group of his friends or companions or brothers who are bringing this, this guy to see Jesus. This guy's sick of the palsy, or in other words, he, he's a paralytic. He can't walk. He's paralyzed. And they said, hey, did you hear Jesus is back in town? You mean the guy that was healing everybody last time? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard that he healed. He was healing people all day long. Hey, you reckon you can take me over there to see Jesus? Well, let's go. 
And so they pick him up and they're going to go take him to see Jesus. And now they're going down the road, getting close to where they were. And they might have heard some commotion going on. And they get in sight of the house. And there, he, there it was surrounded. And that maybe they just stopped and looked at that and just packed. No way they're getting in that house. All right, boys, what are we going to do now? Well, we're not going to give up. Well, how do you reckon we're going to get in the house? We can't even get to the door. Maybe one of them said, well, it's surrounded. The whole place is surrounded. The only part of the house that isn't covered with people is the roof. And we can't just go, and they may have stopped and said, well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go in through the roof. One way or another, we're going to get you to see Jesus. So they get up on the roof. They tear a hole in the roof. And they made their own entrance. Now these people believed. Now you can say what you want about their methods. These guys believed, didn't they? How do I know they believed? Well, if you're going to climb up on somebody else's house and tear a hole in the roof and lower your buddy down in there so they can see Jesus, they believe. They had faith. They believed that Jesus could save their guy and they were going to make sure they got to him. That's the kind of faith that we need to have towards others. you believe the Lord can save your loved one? Have you told them about Jesus? These men believed that they could, Jesus could save and heal and make whole their companion. I always wondered what it would be like to be sitting in the room when Jesus was talking. And Jesus was preaching and all of a sudden uh, debris starts coming down from the ceiling. Everybody looks up and then the hole's coming and and this man just starts lowering down. That would been a sight, wouldn't it? Maybe those kids that were aggravated about going to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, remember they, they came and they're the demon possession? Well, I wonder what these people thought. Boy, every time we go around and listen to Jesus preach, something exciting happens. Well, this guy's coming down through the roof, and Jesus saw the faith of these men, he said, son, thy sins be forgiven. Well, now, inside the house, watching this the whole time was a group of scribes, those Old Testament scholars. And they had, heard, they had come to hear Jesus preach the word to investigate what was going on. But when they, saw, they heard this, their ears perked up. What did he say? Forgive sins. So, so we got all this going on, and the guy's coming down. Jesus says, forgive. Your sins are forgiven. The guy's coming down the roof. But when they heard that, something, something uh, struck them. Maybe Micah 7, 18 came to mind. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? Or Daniel 9, 9. To the Lord our God belongs mercies and forgiveness. Who's this guy think he is saying that he can forgive sins? That's a divine prerogative to forgive sins. And here's this guy saying that he's forgiven sins. The power and the ability to forgive sins is with God and not with men. And just like the leper, it wasn't the priest that cleaned people. They just pronounced them clean. And now Jesus is here saying, your sins are forgiven. In this story, 
Jesus is the only one that says anything out loud, if you notice that. He's the only one talking. The man didn't say anything. The boys that, that lowered him down in the roof didn't say anything. The man sick of palsy didn't say anything. The, uh, the scribes didn't say anything. They were just thinking things. So this, this, this man sick of the palsy didn't come and say, Lord, forgive me. He didn't come and say, I'm a sinner. I've repented of my sins. He didn't come showing the fruit, meat of repentance that anyone could see. So John would turn people away that wanted baptism. But Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Who is this guy? Does he know anything about him? And so they, the scribes heard that and said, well, that's blasphemy. You can't say, you can't, you can't be doing that. Well, they didn't say it, they were thinking it. They were all thinking along the same lines, but Jesus knew what they were thinking. God knows what we're thinking. And so Jesus knew what they were thinking. Jesus knows what you're thinking right now. He knows if you're listening, he knows what you're thinking about. And so Jesus looked over those scribes. He knew what was going on in their brains, and he, he knew what the, the way they were reasoning. So Jesus raises the stakes on them. Sometimes, you know, you might be talking to somebody and you say something in, in your mind and say, oh no, I think I might have, uh, I think I, that may have come out wrong and I've offended them. Let me try to fix this before it gets out of, got out of hand. Well, Jesus knew that they were saying that what he was saying was blasphemy. And Jesus didn't say, well, okay, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. No, he raises the stakes on it. He said, why are you reasoning such things in your hearts? I think it's interesting. That's how it starts. Because they might have been thinking, well, what things, Jesus? <laughs> we didn't say anything. And he doesn't give them a time to answer the question. Then he asks them another question and doesn't give them the opportunity to answer that question. And uh, verse number nine whether is it easier to say the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven, or to say, arise and take thy bed and walk? See, what they're doing is working things out in their mind and say, okay, well, God can forgive sins, and only God can forgive sins. Jesus said that he forgave sins, doing and claiming to do something only God can do. Therefore, Jesus is committing blasphemy. That's a logical sound. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus says he forgives sins. Therefore, Jesus committed blasphemy. But is that the only option? Is that a false dilemma that's laid before him here? That, that That's it, that Jesus is committing blasphemy? Or is there another option that they have excluded right from the start? Is that the only option? Only God can forgive sins. Jesus said he can forgive sins, so Jesus committed blasphemy. Well, they thought it was, but... They committed a fallacy on that. Jesus asked them another question. Is it easier to say the sick or the palsy, your sins be forgiven, or to tell them to get up and walk? It's not a tongue twister. I mean, literally, they're not difficult to say either way. So Jesus is just saying, here's a, a man, a paralytic man, paralyzed man. He's come to me for healing. I have chosen to heal the man. I could have said, arise and walk. 
before I could have said your sins are forgiven. And it didn't make any difference which way I said it because I'm going to restore the man whole. You're objecting to what I said, but I said it for a reason. So that's all Jesus tells the scribes. I know you're saying I'm committing blasphemy, and I could have said, take up your bed and walk if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. I wanted to say something that is equally as true, that equally applies to this situation, so that that he would know. And so he turns from the scribes. He tells the scribes, you tell me which is easier. Because like the leprosy, sin was attached to leprosy. They offered the, the sacrifice for sin afterwards. And Jesus is tying not just that this man had done something wrong, but sin has brought the curse upon mankind. And so Jesus is... is Coming out from that perspective here, he said, I'm going to make this man whole by forgiving him his sins. So now he turns from the scribes in verse number 10. He says, but that you might know. You're, you're saying I'm committing blasphemy, and you think about whether it's easier for me to forgive sins or say, um, rise up and walk. You, think, you chew on that for a little while. But the reason I did that, turning to the the guy that was sick, he said that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Jesus said, I said it this way, so this man will know. You, my, my child, you dear child of God, I did it for you, and I said this for you, that you may know, for your assurance, for your confirmation that the Son of Man on earth has the authority to forgive sins. Now, you take up your bed and walk. Now, everybody's looking at the sick man. Imagine sitting there and Jesus is arguing with the scribes and the scribes haven't said a single word. They're probably just sitting there with their jaws dropped because Jesus was reading their minds Jesus is arguing with them, but they're not even saying anything. They're left speechless. He, he rebukes them. And, you know, if you're just sitting there, just out of the blue, Jesus just turns to the scribes, and they're, they're just sitting there minding their own business, and Jesus rebukes them and then turns over to the man. And he said, this is why I said it this way, so you will know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. Now, take up your bed and walk. Now everybody's looking at, at, uh, at this sick man. What's going to happen? Mistakes have been raised yet one more time. But if we pay attention, he just, he made it even more important because he calls himself the son of man. The the scribes called him, charged him with blasphemy. And Jesus defends what he says and then goes on to say even more by saying that he is the son of man. Now he said, I'm going to prove it by healing this man. In Daniel chapter number 7, and and this is a theme that keeps coming back all through the book of Mark, and we'll probably hit it every time we see it, but in Daniel 7, 13, 
Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him a dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people and nations should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. We usually think Son of God points us to the divinity of Jesus, but here it's the Son of Man. They said, the scribe said, well, he's committing blasphemy by saying these things, and said, no, I'm saying this so you know that the Son of Man, who has dominion and glory in the eternal kingdom, who comes in the clouds of heaven to the ancient of days, has authority, has power on earth to forgive sins, just like he has power in heaven to forgive sins. This is what Jesus is saying. Whether they all grasp it at this time or not, it doesn't matter. This is what he was saying. This is what he was showing. I want you to know that, he says. So there was that other option the scribes hadn't considered. It's not blasphemy for God to do what God does. It's not blasphemy for the Son of Man to forgive sins on earth if the Son of Man is on earth forgiving sins. Well, all this back and forth between the scribes and Jesus, this poor guy is just still laying there in the floor listening to what's going on. First, Jesus tells him his sin's forgiven and he's still laying there. And then the the dialogue with the scribes and then Jesus says, okay, get up and walk. Now, if he doesn't get up, then the scribes are right. If he doesn't get up, everybody ought to just leave the house and never come back because Jesus would be false. Because Jesus now says he has the power to forgive sins and he's banked it on if this guy can stand up and walk. Because Jesus says, it doesn't matter which one I would have said, it's the same difference. Be forgiven or be healed. In this scenario, Jesus said, it doesn't matter which one I said, but I said it this other way so that you would know that me, the Son of Man, has the power to forgive sins. And if he stands up and he walks, then Jesus is right. And if he doesn't, if he can't, then Jesus is false. But if he does, all if he does, then we may know like the sick man this morning, the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. The King has come. The Lord is on the earth. Well, immediately, what happens? The man rises, took up his bed, and left. People never seen anything like this before. This man was hopelessly sick. He couldn't get to Jesus by himself. Once he got to the house, he couldn't get to the roof by himself. Once he got on the roof, he couldn't get down by himself. Once he got there in the floor, he couldn't do anything but just lay there and hope and trust in the mercy of God. The sinner's desperate condition mirrors this man's physical condition. We don't have the ability to even take that first step. Your only hope is in Jesus. Your only hope this morning is to turn your eyes upon Jesus and look to him as the one who can forgive sins. In fact, both with the leper and the paralytic, we see the destructive nature of the fall. We see the destructive nature of the curse. Sin ruins everything. It ruins everything. It brings death and disease and curse and sorrow and pain and suffering. Sin is not your friend. Your secret sins are, just, are not your friends. 
They're not ways to unwind. It destroys. It kills. The consequences of the curse ruin and destroy. There's just no lasting hope in the world under God's curse. Religion didn't have the answer either. In both cases, the, the law kicked the guy out of, uh, out of town. The law said, you're unclean, you're impure, you have to leave. Here, the scribes didn't care about the paralytic man. You know, that's your problem. We're here to talk about doctrine. And their traditions and their religion made things worse, not better. They added to the law, which made, if you were excluded from the suffering, that's fine. But if you were the one who was unclean, it made everything worse. All their law did was exclude more and more people from from the Lord. But Jesus has the authority of the Son of Man. He has the authority to heal the sick. He has the authority to do what the law couldn't do, and that is safe. The law could only condemn. The priests couldn't heal him. They could only examine him. If you're trying to find acceptance with God through the law, you're in bad shape because you've already messed that up. You're already condemned. Well, think about it this way. Does a diabetes test give you diabetes? No, it doesn't give you diabetes. It tells you if you have it. Does it cure you of diabetes? No, it doesn't cure you either. What does it do? Well, it tells you if you have it or not, and it tells you where your your sugar levels are. What about checking your blood pressure? If you check your blood pressure, does it give you high blood pressure? You can go to the doctor and say, do you have high blood pressure? No, I don't have it. Last time I went, I was a nervous wreck. And uh, they said, do you have high blood pressure? I said, no, and they took it. And then she just turned and looked at me, kind of looked over her glasses at me. I said, well, it's not that high at home. <laughs> but she goes, okay, I'll take your word for it. But did, did, does that cuff give me high blood pressure? Or does, that, or does that machine tell me what it is? But if I check my blood pressure every... T- 15 minutes, will that make it go down? No. It doesn't fix the problem? No. It just says what a thing is. Not, that's what trusting in the law is like. The law can't save you. The law says you're guilty. What about now? He's still guilty. What about now? Still guilty. That's all the law does. It tells us that we're guilty. So that's what it's like to trust the law. But see, this man with palsy was without strength. The scribes couldn't do anything for him. The man with leprosy was unpure. The priest couldn't do anything for him. The only one that could do anything for him was Jesus. Because he had the power and authority to do what the law could not do. To heal, to clean, and to forgive. Jesus, the Son of Man, has authority to forgive sins. Do you have faith in Christ? That's what both of these people had, faith. They believed. They they heard that Jesus could heal. So they knew the facts about that. They believed that Jesus could save because they they knew that people had been healed. And so they trusted in Christ and they went to him. Don't be like the people sitting in there in the living room listening to Jesus talk and seeing all this going on. Boy, that was a crazy thing, somebody coming down out of the ceiling that's paralyzed and ends up walking out. You ever see anything like that? Never in my life. There was a lot of people left there that day just like that. 
you ever seen anything like that in your life? Never. As long as I live, I've never even heard of anything like that. Somebody healing a paralytic. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yep. All right. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. And they go their own separate ways. They saw it. They knew it happened. But they did not receive Christ. Now, you might this morning know that Jesus has the power to forgive sins and the authority to forgive sins. You may know that. You may know that Jesus has saved people and does save people. But do you believe that Jesus has died for you and saved you? Do you just look out and see it for everyone else but don't have faith yourself? Well, believe. He did this that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Don't doubt, but believe. Believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord add the blessing to this word this morning.